Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Nora. And we are your hosts for the Too Vague podcast this week. How is Chicago? Um, it's it's actually pretty good. It's not too hot. No. It is humid, of course. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's Chicago. There's right. all kinds of things to do here. And... Right, right, which kind of makes it okay when it comes to weather or more tolerable. Right. Whereas here where I live in Tucson, there's really not a ton of things to do. Right, right. Other than pray for rain and uh, podcasting. <laughs> A hint on what we were talking about today is the stuff of phlebotomy and venopunctures and leeches and maybe vampires. I don't know. Could be. Maybe. Probably. But it is the substance known as blood. Is it really? Yes. Oh. <laughs> you sound so surprised. Yeah. I, like, I just didn't know. <laughs> blood. Let's get into it. The definition of blood, there are other uses, but I think we're just going to pretty much focus on the bodily fluid okay. in the circulatory system of humans and other vertebrates that delivers necessary substances such as nutrients and oxygen to cells and transports waste products away from those cells. Do you have any other thing that you associate with blood? Or is it just basically the bodily fluid? I think about the bodily fluids because when you get older, 45, 50 and older, you have to be aware of a lot more about your system. Correct. So much has to do with blood. Right. Go to the doctor and, and one of the questions, is there blood in your urine? Is there blood in your stool? Is there, you know, it's like, you know, I didn't take it apart. I didn't notice. <laughs> right. But, uh, right, right. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't like to look at my <laughs> excretions with great detail. But it's it's important. I mean, if yeah. there is, there's a problem. Right. That's the, that's right. the thing. So. And then also uh, things like clotting. That's also important if right. that is occurring or if that is not occurring. Right, um, right. A bodily fluid in your bodily fluid is <laughs> yeah. kind of an odd sort of there's that, and then there's also questions about blood pressure and blood sugar. Yes. It's not always at a later age, like 50s and right. above, that you're concerned with these things. You're always concerned with those. Yeah. It's an important thing for the body. Right. Some things that I think of that aren't specifically blood-related, like a brotherhood like of the same blood. I do have some, I did have, where you see the word blood in... Um, oh, there it is, hiding be under um... your stool. <laughs> no, no, no okay. my feet are my feet are on my stool. Gotcha. Oops, Ew. <laughs> <laughs> that, things like blood, brother. Yeah, you know, yeah. Bad, bad blood. Uh, right, like blood is thicker than water. Right, like right, that kind right, of right. Sort Out of for blood. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, Which could be yeah. literal or figurative. Right. Like so. um, lifeblood, the lifeblood of any sort of certain thing. Yeah, that doesn't have to have red stuff flowing in it. No, no, it doesn't. The lifeblood of, yeah. Right. Or trying to get blood from a stone, although I don't know what stone blood would look like. That's the reason I believe they say it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, you like turnips, right? Well, I, you'd like to draw pictures of turnips. In high school, our chemistry teacher, I mean, he was a great guy and everything. He used to say, uh, can't get blood from a turnip. Yeah. And, and, and we'd all kind of look at each other wondering what happened to the stone. But uh, I guess that's what he 
was brought up on. I've heard blood from a turnip before in, in addition okay. to blood from a stone. It's the same idea. You're not going to get the red runny stuff from either of them. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, blood from a turnip. And I think that's a better way of putting it for me, but but I don't know. Yeah. I think more commonly these days it's blood from a stone. That's the way I grew up Yeah. hearing it that way. There's like blue blood, which means higher class. Oh, okay. Uh, if somebody's a blue blood, they're of more nobility. Isn't there some sort of a, people also say blue bloods when it comes to police too? Or is that I don't kind of, know. Because I know there was a show about police called Blue Bloods. I Yeah, I think they're, they're blue because they're police and they right. typically always used to have blue uh, uniforms. Right, uh, right. And bloods they're they're close right or they should be close yeah uh, but i think blue blood generally refers to like nobility gotcha and then there's also things like our blood runs whatever color meaning kind of a fellowship in one's blood or it's in your blood part of your makeup bad jokes it's in your blood ben <laughs> you know well, what i mean <laughs> i don't know about bad i mean <laughs> The way I rank it, uh, you know, puns, although other people may think that they are the lowest form of humor. Dad used to say that in Slabstick were the lowest form of humor. Yeah. At least he said that at one point to me. Uh, And actually, I heard that like since I found out what a pun was sometime in school. Right. They they say puns the lowest form of humor. Why do they say that? Because I think puns are really funny. Well, and why does it take the, yeah, why does it take the most intelligent people to figure out the, the lowest form of humor? In general, that's what I found. (laughs) That's like, People who are involved with wordplay, not that I'm generalizing, right? Yeah. But I mean, you know, think think people who like to come up with puns and things that, you know, like wordplay types of things are generally more intelligent. So how can that be? Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. That's what I think. But, too. you know, whatever. I think people who can't come up with puns, they're just jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Could be in their blood. I don't know. Right. How about uh, Bloodhound? I didn't think of that one. But yeah. He supposedly smells the scent of blood. You think bloodhounds are cute? No, they're okay, but they're kind of kind of weird because they do have a, a cute sense of smell. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back uh, to the yeah. puns. Yeah, yeah. When I was talking about bad humor being in your blood—that's <laughs> uh. what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What other things, phrases, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what blood is? Well, there's just so many. Too rich for someone's blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which just means like uh, uh, caviar is too rich for your blood. Well, I thought it was more like a gambling thing, like the the pot, like putting more money into the pot. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is getting too rich for my blood. I don't know. I, I think it might mean that too. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what it says is when something is too expensive for someone's budget. So that would fit what you're saying. Exactly. That's the thing that I think of. It's like, oh, that's too rich okay. for my blood. Okay. That's yeah. the first place my head goes, not to caviar. Oh, well, yeah. Mine doesn't go to caviar too often. Do I don't you, really care for it. You're not a caviar person? It's okay. You know, it depends if it's really good. But that's, you know, I can't. It's too rich for that blood. It seems to be really salty all the time, but I mean, it's like, just as long as it doesn't taste fishy, it's fine. But it just the salt right. content of it in general for me is just kind of like, oh, it's just too, 
Uh, see, uh, yeah, I like salt. I'll take salt anywhere, except uh, I don't like the fishy taste that the um, uh, common caviar has. Yeah. Uh, I'm just seeing if I have anything here. I think that when I eat caviar, it's an assault on my senses. Yes, it is. I'm sure it is. Are you going to keep you making it? me? No, yeah, no. I... See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just illustrating yep. my bad sense of humor. That's all. Yeah. Unfortunately, blood is thicker than water. I don't know about buoyancy. The buoyancy of blood. Anyway, let's not let's not get into that. We're going to be talking about too many scientific sort right, of concepts right. coming up. So, back to right. the phrases. What do we think? Have you heard "blood and thunder"? No, I have not. What is that? Which unrestrained or violent action, especially used when speaking of sports or fiction? I hmm. haven't, I haven't heard that. No, Blood no, I haven't either. There's a new movie out called Love and Thunder, which is the new Thor movie. Oh yeah, right, right, right. But I've never heard Blood and Thunder. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, bad blood, of course. Right, right. Which doesn't necessarily mean have anything to do with blood it just means uh you and somebody else don't get along right and then of course the old blood brother there's that that's about it the whole blood brother thing just doesn't seem to be very sanitary <laughs> i mean is that like is there there's a ritual right where you mix the blood well there was i don't know if they do that well, i suppose little kids do Maybe. Uh, it's, now, this says uh, a man or boy who has given their loyalty to another despite not being biologically related. Okay. So it doesn't involve, you know, giving everybody a little bit of their own blood. Well, no, no not always, but uh, there are rituals where that is yes. part of the ritual of yes. being, you know, I don't know, indoctrinated yeah. into the brotherhood. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, blood is involved in rituals, other rituals too, I'm sure. Yeah. So. Do you know anyone or do you faint at the sight of blood? No, I don't. And um, I offhand, I don't know anyone who has trouble with it. Okay. With that, seeing it. I don't care for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, it's just, it's one of those things. It's there, you know. Yeah. You cut yourself, there's blood. Right. I did a little bit of research. There was an article uh, in WebMD that was medically reviewed. Uh, Stephanie Watson wrote the article, and it was medically reviewed by Michael W. Smith, MD. Okay. Psychologists don't really know why exactly. They say 15% of us uh -huh. experience a plunge in blood pressure when we see the sight of blood. Hmm. Yeah. I can see if there's a, an accident, uh, you know, an automobile accident, and it's not just the sight of blood, but it's like really messed up bodies. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. But, I mean, just blood is... The official term for it is blood injury phobia. Huh. Okay. A theory is that it's an evolutionary mechanism, but when I think about it, it's like, wouldn't you want the opposite? Right? Wouldn't you want it to, mm -hmm. like, if you saw the sight of blood, that means that there's a problem. So, therefore, wouldn't you want to? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's what causes the fainting, 
is the um, plunge in blood pressure. I've always heard that, and I just that some people have that much problem with it. And yeah. they always on television shows or something. There's always going to be some character that is in a comedy, right? That, right, uh, just kind of faints. Yeah, yeah. Just collapses. Right, right, right. When I'm giving blood for tests or whatever, I find these days, I didn't used to look, but now I just look at it. Yeah. Well, there's nothing much else to do then. You know, you're right, sitting right. there with that tourniquet. <laughs> do you donate blood? I used to. Yeah. But I haven't for a long time. Okay. If there was a um, a blood drive somewhere, I might consider it. Yeah. And I don't do like platelets. I know some people who do that. I guess maybe there's a certain criteria that you have to meet in order to have the platelets used, have the serum used, but you'd have to go to a, a website like the American Red Cross to find out exactly how they make those determinations. But I always thought that, that you give the blood and then... Then they decide. <laughs> if, they, if they're going to do whole blood, if they're going to spin it down and get all the components or do red blood cells or platelets or serum or... Whatever. Yeah, I don't know how that works. But I, I know some people go in for specifically giving platelets. Platelets, yeah. yeah. I, and, and so I don't know if that's different than just giving blood and them deciding whoever them are. Uh, <laughs> right. That, uh, you know, it's like, hey, these are good platelets. Let's separate it. There are certain people who get turned away for giving a blood donation for medical reasons. But as far as the American Red Cross is always looking for blood. Always. In fact, every time I, I make a donation, I put down my phone number, I put down my email address, and mm -hmm. you know, like I get contacted weekly by phone, by email. So I have put them in my phone as vampires. I don't mean that negatively. <laughs> I just mean that as kind of like, okay, here these guys want my blood, so therefore right, right the blood takers. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not bad. Do they want it like once a week, a pint a week? How often? How often can you give? A pint. I think it's a pint that you give. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. How frequently can you donate? Yeah. I, I always thought that there had to be a month in between. I would think so, yeah. You need to regenerate your blood, you know, like your body needs to. Right, right, right. Which does it faster than we think, but still, I would think there'd be a time that you'd want to wait. Yeah. So. Do you know where uh, blood production comes from? Where blood production? Yeah, like when you lose, um, you know, blood, where it gets produced, where it comes from. Oh, it's not your heart. No, no, it doesn't come from the heart. It doesn't get. Oh. It doesn't get made from the heart. Uh, cells. Uh, bone marrow. Bone marrow oh. is what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That important stuff. Yes. Yep. Oh. And you know, I'm not Mr. Scientist, but that makes sense, though. Yeah, you might want to fact check me on that, but I believe that it is the bone marrow which is responsible well, for all yeah. of the creation of blood, as opposed to, yeah, the heart is just pumping. Right. When I think about it, I know it just pumps it through, and you know, comes back, pumps it again, and <laughs> I was interested in things like blood pressure. Uh -huh. and uh, blood sugar, because I have to be concerned about both of those right. myself. Well, everybody should, but like blood pressure, I take a blood pressure uh, medication. Okay. There's two numbers when you get your blood pressure. There's a top number, which is usually higher, and a bottom number, which is lower. The top number is systolic 
blood pressure. Okay. It measures the force the heart exerts on the walls of the arteries each time it beats. Okay. So you imagine your heart beating, it's pushing the blood a little stronger. You okay. know, it's it's a little more force. And so that that measures that. And diastolic is the uh, bottom number. Okay. And uh, it measures the force the heart exerts on the walls of the arteries in between beats. There's blood there, so there's force on the arteries. The systolic, I think, is the top number, is the more important one. If your heart is beating and your the top number gets too high, there's a problem, you know. Okay. Um, you don't want any of them to get too low. Average, uh, average blood pressure is 120 over 80 or lower. Right. So the systolic would be 120. The diastolic would be uh, 80. Okay. And that's, that's, that's like normal. And then you get to 129 and below 80. Yeah, you kind of have to. 129 one, or 120, 129 is a little questionable. Uh, 130 to 139 is, and the top number is, more questionable at stage one, high blood pressure. Okay. And then one, 140 or higher is stage two. All right. And that's uh, more dangerous. I think we could say exercise helps blood pressure. It does. And I, yeah. especially like cardio for me. Yes. So I guess it varies depending on the person. There is no one that is more important than the other, according to Harvard Health publishing at Harvard Medical School. Okay. There was an article about which one's the more important number. Yeah. Apparently it's like a conditional thing. Right, right. I have a blood pressure mechanism or like a little blood pressure cuff thing I use at home. And I was always looking at the one number and wondering why it said it was high. Recent guidelines show that if your systolic is within a certain range so if it's 130 or above yeah. and your diastolic is 80 or higher, that's when you have high blood pressure or hypertension. I always thought it was a one number thing that was the more important number, but like I said, conditional. Right. They're both important. Yeah. I have always heard that the top number was more important, but that doesn't make the bottom number less important. I think it depends on the person too. Right. right. But I mean, you could have you could have uh, blood pressure of 115 over 90. Yeah. But if one of them is higher than it's supposed to be, yeah. it makes the whole blood pressure too high. Yeah. Your high your hypertension even if it's the lower number. Yeah. I've been watching in my older age my blood pressure. I've always been like right. hypertension level. But what right. they were looking at, they always said to me they were looking at the bottom number. So that's probably why my brain had always oh. gravitated toward the bottom number being more important because maybe that's the way it is for me. Okay. So they would take my blood pressure and they would go, your diastolic is over 90, so it's high. Yeah. And until we get that number down, that's a problem. So I guess it, it just depends on the person, really. You know what? Also, I might be wrong about the top number being more important. It's just something I think I remember hearing at some time in the past, and uh, it stuck with me. Based on what I'm reading, there is no one that's more important. It's it's a it's kind of a relationship yeah. of the two. Do you have anything more to say about blood pressure? You did mention exercise being an important yeah. thing, and I've been getting a lot more cardio, regular cardio now, probably about. 20 minutes to a half an hour a day consistently as opposed to before where it was just like I wasn't 
really focusing on that. Yeah. Now that I'm getting this regular kind of exercise, it's coming down. Mm -hmm. As opposed to just whenever I feel like doing exercise, doing it. Right, right, right. Which I could get away with when I was younger, but you don't eat a lot of junk either. No, no, I don't. And that makes that makes a difference too. Um, you know, eating healthy and not eating too much that makes a, a difference in blood pressure. Salt and I try and go low sodium whenever I can because of the yeah. high blood pressure thing. But I love my salt. I don't. You know, if somebody said I had to give up salt, I don't know what I'd do. If you I'd had give to... up sugar. Okay. I, give up salt. I was just about to ask you if you had to give up one. Let me cover the general components of blood. Okay. When people refer to whole blood, that is just blood that flows through our bodies as it is with all of its components not separated. So when you make a donation for whole blood, that's what it's used for. In medicine, it's uncommon for a transfusion Usually they're more point-specific. However, if there are patients that need large amounts of components of blood together, then that's when they use whole blood over the specific components. So like something like blood loss or heart surgery, that's when most often whole blood is used. Blood is composed of blood cells suspended in blood plasma. What is that called? That's not a colloid, is it? I don't know. You're asking me science questions. (laughs) That's just a suspension. Just because I taught it, you know. Blood cells suspended in blood plasma. Plasma constitutes 55% of blood fluid. Okay. Plasma, it's 92% by volume water. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it contains 7% vital proteins such as albumin, gamma globulin, and antihemophilic factor. And then 1% is, this doesn't all add up in, into 100%, but it says 1%, one yeah, 1% mineral salts, sugars, fats, hormones, and vitamins. Okay. So the main protein in plasma is albumin. Okay. It regulates colloidal osmotic pressure of blood. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that right? Colloidal osmotic pressure No, I'm pressure sure it blood? is. No, I'm laughing because it's like you're, you just reached beyond what I... You know, some of these terms I don't, you know, I don't use regularly yeah, in yeah, conversation, yeah. like colloidal osmotic pressure of blood. Yeah, yeah. Is that the, you know, I, I'll ask my doctor next time and they take my blood pressure or whoever takes my blood pressure just to sound smart. Yes. Yeah, right. So here's a kind of a fact about plasma. Carbon dioxide is mostly transported extracellularly as Mm -hmm. bicarbonate ion in plasma. And then there are four primary functions of plasma, according to the American Red Cross. Help maintain blood pressure and volume, help supply critical proteins for blood clotting and immunity, carries electrolytes such as sodium and potassium to our muscles, and helps maintain proper pH balance of the body, which supports cell function. Yeah. So there you go. And I know what pH is. That's the negative logarithm of the molar concentration of hydrogen ions in a solution. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that, that stupid definition is stuck in my head. Yeah, some things do that are like, why? Why? But yeah. yeah, they do. Adam actually used that. He was in science class, and, and kids don't don't go to school this way. But in high school, Adam would go one semester. He would like not study things for you know he would like stagger yeah. them, but for subjects he would just not do any studying. And then he'd ace the second semester, and then 
you know, ace the final and get, you know, get C's, straight C's or whatever. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he wasn't paying attention most of the time in chemistry class. So then the time when pH came up, I taught him that definition. You know, he raised his hand and got called on and he was going like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the negative logarithm of the molar concentration of hydrogen ions in a solution. <laughs> and then his teacher, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can see him doing the correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of the components is the plasma. And then you've got red blood cells, erythrocytes or RBCs. Red blood cells contain hemoglobin an iron-containing protein which facilitates oxygen okay. transport by reversibly binding to this respiratory... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Let's just say it's iron-containing protein which, which facilitates oxygen transfer, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Now, here's an interesting thing. Do you, do you know about the color of blood? Now, you're not talking about it looks blue... But when it hits oxygen, it look, turns red. You're not talking about that, are you? Yeah, I am. It's not the way it appears in our veins and arteries. Right, right. But when it is deoxygenated, it's a darker red, and it is bright oh, red when it is okay. oxygenated. That's kind of what I was leading towards. Yeah, I see yeah. that, yes. And then white blood cells, Yes. they destroy harmful bacteria create antibodies against bacteria and viruses, and fight malignant diseases. We want to keep those white blood cells healthy and at a good number. Exactly. How many white blood cells are there in the body? Are you asking that? Did I ask that? It sounds no. like you're asking that. All right. How many are there? Well, a person is considered to have a normal white blood cell count if they have between 4,500 and 11,000 white blood cells per microliter of blood. Microliter? Yes. Wow. Here's where the Red Cross website made me laugh. Or in more familiar measurements, that's around 17 to 40 million white blood cells per teaspoon of blood. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, I get that. More familiar to who? Really? <laughs> Right, right, right. Can you imagine 40 million of anything? Uh, not, no, not really. No. You know. No. I can imagine a teaspoon. Right, right. With white blood cells. People who have low counts of white blood cells are more susceptible to infections, whereas a person with a high count of white blood cells may be actively fighting an infection. Yeah. Yep. Oh, white blood cells. Those are WBCs or leukocytes. I forgot to say okay, that. Okay, okay. And then you have platelets, which are thrombocytes, small colorless cell fragments in our blood uh, that form the clots. You know, when I get a blood test back, all those words you said are on it. The only thing I figured out was RBC, but all those other words are on them too. They may have granulocytes, which is like a common type of white blood cell. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're generally, those are the main, I don't know. I just know that where's my last blood test here. Ooh, I got my A1C. I have a lipid panel. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, let's not interpret our, our blood tests on the okay, show. Okay. That's, I don't think people want to hear about our, our blood. Lipid really. panel. <laughs> I know. No, I know. probably not. Just looking at the types of tests I have, it's like I don't remember having all these different tests. You know, they take blood. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Do you want to go into blood sugar then? We could because blood sugar has to do with hemoglobin. Yep. 
which has to do with red blood cells. Sugar attaches itself to the hemoglobin. Uh And there's, you know, like an average amount, of course. Everybody has it. Little kids have it. Old people, you know, everybody has it. Um, But you don't want to get it too too much sugar in your blood Mm -hmm. because then you have diabetes and that's not not a good thing to have so when we say blood sugar are we talking about natural sugars or are we talking about refined sugars or a combination or what what is all of them all sugars okay whether they're complex carbohydrates or simple simple sugar or whether it's alcohol okay which turns to uh, sugar right pretty quickly too much of it does all kinds of weird things with your body. You don't want that. I think you want to keep it around between 70 and 130 milligrams per deciliter. Who measures in deciliters? You know? I don't know. At, Maybe if you gave me a more at, practical measurement, like how much is in a teaspoon? Yeah, all right, right, right. And at less than 180 uh, after meals, 70 to 130 before meals, okay. and less than 180 after after meals. So that's why they ask you not to eat or drink before they take your blood sugar readings, right? Actually, there's some you can fast for uh, eight hours or something. Right. Yeah, before right. and get it. Or you can fast, also you can fast for eight hours, and then they give you a glucose drink. Oh, okay. and, which is strange, but I, I've had that. I've done that too. Maybe to test like the limits or, or what it is when yeah, it's high. It is. Or what it is, okay. It, okay. I think it is. And then there's just the regular, when they, when they test your blood, mm-hmm. uh, they want to make sure it isn't higher than 200. Or if it's even approaching 200, they're going to tell you to be, be more careful and stuff like that. Right. I've never had the glucose drink. So I'm guessing that that is if you are borderline or on the edge. You know, I haven't had a glucose drink since I was younger when I did not have pre-diabetes. Oh, all right, gotcha. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know what the... Maybe it's not something they do now. No, they still do it, I think, but I don't know why they do some and not the others. Hmm. Well, if you fast for eight hours, they say if your blood sugar level is higher than 126, right? that's not good. Not putting anything in your body. Except water, Uh, right? Water, yeah, yeah. And the um, glucose drink, fast for eight hours, and then you drink a whole bunch of concentrated sugar. It shouldn't be higher than 200. So they're pushing the limit there. Mm -hmm. And then there's just the random check, and it shouldn't be... Well, I would say you got... If you're 190, they're going to tell you to uh, stop eating as much carbs and sugar. And uh, of course... Of course, there's things like, you know, if you're peeing a lot more than you used to, or if you're always thirsty and you're not used to that. I mean, I drink water all the time. Right. That doesn't mean I'm always thirsty, you know, uh, gained or lost weight. It is an idea that you might be having trouble with your blood sugar, okay. especially the, the peeing and yeah. thirstiness. I know for me, there are medications that I take that make my mouth dry and make me urinate more frequently, but I've never had any problems yeah. with the blood sugar, just borderline stuff uh, based on family history. Exactly. To which my doctor asked me if I ate ice cream. What? Yeah, I have a feeling she got that from dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was an ice cream guy. Big yeah, cream, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, when I'd be over there in Tucson, and I'd ask if I could have some ice cream for dessert, and he'd say, yeah, as long as it's not the butter pecan. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the pralines and cream. Those are like his big, yes, his big yes. ones. Yeah. 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 I'm not an ice cream guy. I'm more of a an ices kind of dude. I mean, I like yeah. I like lemon ice or lemon sorbet or what's the right. other one that's made of just milk? Yeah, gelato is not gelato. Made of milk. That's what it is. It's just milk. It's gelato. Is that what it is? Okay, yeah. I don't know. You don't know. I just go to the grocery store and buy the thing in the used to be half gallon and now it's three quarters of a gallon <laughs> for the same price. Ice cream tub. And it takes me a long time to eat it, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I eat little at a time. I don't sit and just eat it. But uh, but I, I go through periods where I want ice cream and periods where I can go for months without it. And it doesn't have to do with the heat. Artisanal gelato in Italy contains 6 to 9% butter fat, which is lower than other styles of frozen desserts. Oh. Gelato typically contains 35% air and more flavoring than other kinds of frozen dessert. Oh. Giving it a density and richness that distinguishes it from other ice creams. So I guess that's not necessarily, I always thought it was, it had to do with the milk that you would make it with. Milk instead of cream. Well, that might have to do with the butter fat. You know what? Yes. Okay, so that's that's correct. I didn't make that translation in my head, but yeah, that would be the reason why right. the butter fat would be lower was because you use milk instead of cream. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not a gelato person just because I haven't tried it. Oh, man. Um, I next, mean, it's, it's all around, I know, but... Next time you're out here, we got to go. There's a gelato franchise actually here in Tucson called Frost. And it oh. is, yeah, and it is really good gelatos. Yeah. Yeah, I used to go there quite frequently with a buddy of mine. They've got really delicious gelatos. So remind yeah. me next time yeah, you're yeah. out here. I haven't been there in a long time, but. I will. Okay, so here's here's a question I have as far as it relates to blood sugar. Mm -hmm. I am always told that natural sugars are better than refined sugars. And then if I'm going to eat anything, it's better for me to eat natural sugars like things that are in you know fruits or oh. whatever is that a misnomer with blood sugar or it still adds to blood sugar certain fruits definitely have a higher sugar count right and it would be a simple sugar a simple sugar assimilates faster into your blood system okay a spoon of sugar it's going right to your blood system and if you eat a um piece of bread or something like that that's a sugar too it's a complex. it gets broken down right into sugars and it takes a longer time to get to the bloodstream now fruit is like simple sugar except um it's not it's better than eating sugar yes but don't sit and stuff yourself with cherries and blueberries there was i saw a list somewhere the fruits that had the most sugar that diabetics should avoid. I didn't write it down. I think apples. Isn't apples one of them? Apples yeah. is right, right on the top. Yep. Right on the top. Yep. I never, Maybe that's because it's alphabetical. Wait a minute. And I never knew that until Rob Lowe told me. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I love apples, so it's like, you know. But it's better than having a piece of candy. Uh, I, my mom, who had diabetes, she gave herself insulin for a long time, stuck a pin in herself <laughs> right injected you know insulin in herself she would eat apple okay for satisfaction sometimes just half an apple yeah you know right but but she did eat that um and i things fruits i like are full of sugar too i mean i like cherries i like blueberries 
uh, and they're higher on the sugar level. But I figure I'm not eating candy. Okay. And so, yes, it is better if you eat the natural sugars. Just don't pig out, you know. Here's what I'm I'm reading very quickly on this. At a cancer center, University of Texas, there's an article oh. about sugars. And generally what they say is the problem with the blood sugar is not necessarily the absorption as it is the spiking of it. So that oh, is okay. Okay. generally your natural blood sugars. We're not worried about this kind of sugar because these foods have other components in them that slow down how quickly the sugar is digested, right. which prevents the rapid blood sugar spike and drop that can lead to weight gain, insulin resistance, and diabetes. Okay. And like you were saying, the refined and the carbohydrates, those are the ones right. that you want right. to limit those because my guess is since they're processed uh, in the body longer than the spikes occur. But Yes, and that's why a lot of diabetics will eat carbohydrates. Now, you know, you, you have to not have too many of anything, right. but they'll eat carbs because it's a slower processing thing, even though they can't have too much of it. Right. And then there's honey and agave syrup or whatever it is, agave sugar, I don't know. Yeah. And are those uh, natural so they're not as bad well no they go they're, they're pretty fast well honey is pretty fast i mean that's the thing too it's like for a person who has normal blood sugar i'm guessing right. that that's probably healthier than a refined sugar right because right. it is less likely to cause resistances that the carbohydrates and refined sugars do yeah it probably is one of those things where it's like yes and no if you are already a diabetic it doesn't do anything better for you right um, right but if you are a generally healthy quote-unquote healthy person with normal blood sugar mm -hmm. then the natural stuff is good probably better yeah then at least when it comes to weight gain and, and other one thing that happens if you get diabetes sometimes you lose weight for no uh -huh. apparent reason. I mean, you're eating sugary things and all that, and you're losing weight. And that's kind of one thing that you can look for to see if you have, you know, if you're pre-diabetic. Uh, right. Is there a difference between that and uh, like as far as uh, hyper and hypoglycemia, which is too high or too low? What do you mean? Is there a difference? I mean, as far as that being a, a factor, like losing weight, like... oh. Oh, oh, no. It, well, it, actually, it's something that some, I think most people lose weight. Mom did. She lost a lot of weight. And that, you know, the doctor is like, okay, we got to test, test you for sugar. Um, some people gain weight. And, and so it, it's like different for everybody else. But I think normally, if you're not treated and you have diabetes, you'll lose weight. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Things that can happen to you. And this is, people don't understand how serious the blood sugar thing is, nor is one of them. I mean, I know how serious it is. I had a husband right. who had it. I had a mother who had it. And everybody in her family had it, you know. Yeah. But, um, well, I'm keeping mine so it's not too high. I'm pre-diabetic. But, of right. course, you can damage your pancreas. And your pancreas is pretty important to your body. Yeah. You know, heart, heart, hardening of the um, blood vessels you can get kidney disease or kidney failure. I don't know anybody who got that. You get strokes. That okay. I know because that's what happened to my husband, Tom. Right. He had diabetes and he kept 
eating stuff he wasn't supposed to. So pretty soon he had like a little stroke and then another little stroke. And what happens is you keep having strokes and each time they get worse. That's if you're not trying to treat your uh, diabetes or whatever, okay. which he didn't want to. Oh, he just didn't think it would affect him. Right, <laughs> right. Silly. Of course, there's heart attacks. Vision loss. You can become blind or your vision can get really bad, like mom's. Right. She had yeah. reading machines and stuff. Uh, weakened immune system, uh, nerve damage, poor circulation to the legs and the feet. And sometimes it causes uh, like gangrene or something in your feet and you need amputation from diabetes it's serious you know and i'm not talking about something that's like uh it happened a lot more often previously now things are being treated a lot more mm -hmm. but it still happens it's very important i should pay more attention to it than i do right but i do keep my blood sugar fairly in line they have this test called an a1c test that they uh, do now, mm -hmm. which it's kind of like certain drug tests. The A1C test measures your sugar for the last three months. So it's like if you have a month where you're eating a bunch of cakes at Christmas time. Okay. At the end of February, you get your A1C. Mm. It's going to be high. It's going to show that you, uh, during those three months, you were eating. Lots of garbage. Yeah. So, so far, my A1C is, um, I think they want it below 5.7 that's the number they give you i think it's percentage or something uh and mine has been six 5.9 6.1 you know it, it hovers there i have a feeling the next one i get is going to be about 5.9 that's a good thing i don't do the little blood machine thing at home but i mean as a pre-diabetic as long as you get your tests and you maintain right well i take med medication for it too oh, okay. okay so which i will continue i'm not quite there yet good so and you may never get there so yeah if I, the last time i last time i went they they said that i was my blood sugar was fine one thing i want to get into is blood types really quickly because oh, yeah. i have it connects to the video game piece that one of the video game pieces i want to talk about okay we know about blood types we know that we're a certain blood type mm -hmm. right right the ABO blood group system uh, involves two antigens and two antibodies found in human blood. The antibody known as immunoglobulin, which is in blood plasma, mm -hmm. is a Y-shaped protein used by the immune system to identify and neutralize foreign objects such as uh, pathogenic bacteria and viruses. Oh. And then an antigen is in the red blood cells and it is a molecule or structure of there's antibody antigen which is the a and then the b antibody and antigen uh which is a different type okay so your different blood groups involve the presence of these antigens and antibodies okay so if you're if your blood type a you have antigen a with antibody b mm -hmm. if you are blood type B, you have antigen B with antibody A. Blood type AB has antigen AB with neither antibody. And blood type O yeah. is antigen null. It's antigen what? Antigen null. 
So no antigens. Oh. But both antibodies. Okay. You've mentioned this before that um, what's known as the universal donor yes. is the blood type O. Yeah. You are a universal donor. Yep. And then on the opposite side of that, you've got the universal recipient, which is the AB blood type, which means that they can receive oh, okay, okay. any of the blood types. And then we've got the other part, the RH blood group system, yeah, which is the positive and negative piece. Although there are, there are in the RH system, there are 49 defined blood group antigens. We've got the five primary ones, which are D, C, lowercase c, E, and lowercase e. Those are the most, quote unquote, important. Okay. But the RHD, the capital D status uh-huh. of an individual, whether it's positive or neg- negative, has to do with the uppercase D antigen. Do you want this uh, RH factor? Do you want that's that's uh, the RH is? No. It's a fun fact. It's the rhesus factor. Oh. As in rhesus monkeys. Monkeys, yeah. Yeah, because that's that hmm. is, and it's called that because the blood of rhesus monkeys was used for obtaining the first blood serum. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Rhesus wow. monkeys, yeah. They don't like getting peanut butter in their chocolate either. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, diff- that's a different type of rhesus. Uh, but anyway. You know what? Yeah. I do like chocolate with peanut butter. Yeah. There me- is an exception. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when it's mixed together, it's fine. <laughs> yes. I don't know. They don't do this anymore. But when I first got married mm-hmm. in 1970, you have a doctor test your blood. And if you have some RH, they're looking for an RH factor somewhere, a negative. Uh-huh. You need to be aware of it because it has something to do with your ability to get pregnant. Oh, okay. But for some reason, they quit doing it. Uh, maybe because it was false information. Okay. Uh, may, you know, they found out more things later or something. Maybe because it didn't matter. I, you know, I don't know. But you had to have you had to have your blood tested before you got married. Huh. That's interesting. And that was one of the things they looked for. Yeah. 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 I haven't been married recently, so I don't know if that's <laughs> necessary. Right. Well, I know in 1990 it wasn't necessary. Gotcha. Of course, I was a lot older, but, you know, I always wondered about that. I don't think I'm going to get into the band. There's a band called Typo Negative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I looked up some music, too. I was kind of disappointed, like with blood in it. Oh, yeah. And it was just meh. Typo Negative, they're kind of a a goth sort of emo metal kind of outfit Uh and actually an interesting an interesting fun fact about their name the guy who is the the main singer of of the band peter Steele, apparently got a tattoo for the new Uh band they were creating which they were going to call sub-zero and it had an o and then a minus in the middle so they were going to call it sub-zero but they had copyright problems. So okay. because they already the guy already had the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They need the band typo negative, which seems like typo oh negative. okay. Yeah, 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 it kind of makes sense and thematically yeah. sort of fits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People call them the drab four, like the fab four. Yeah, right. Because of their subject <laughs> matter. 
But anyway, I, I did send uh, okay. you um, a couple of songs that they did that where they did very classic rock covers of um, oh. Cinnamon Girl, I think I sent you, and then also Summer Breeze by yes, Seals yes, and Croft, yes. a cover yeah. of that. Yeah, and I liked them. Sadly, I mean, I guess this relates to Blood too, but Peter Steele died in 2010 at the age of uh. 48. Some sources oh. say due to heart failure brought on by an aortic aneurysm. So he had, he, had, uh, he was a very large man, very okay. big and imposing looking. But yeah, he apparently had had some heart issues. Yeah. From that point forward, they were done. They just broke up after Seal's death because it couldn't be the band it was oh, without, okay. without them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get on to video games, do you have any other? Yes. Any other things you want to bring up other than menstruation? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was just, well, no, I'm just wondering about blood and video games other than when you shoot people, I bet blood spurts out. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of those. But what else is there in video games that has to do with blood? One of the reasons why blood was such an interesting topic for me was the fact that older video games, and some current ones, when they have character bios... It says, this is their name, male, female, blood type, likes, dislikes. I always wondered why they used the blood type. Right. And as it turns out, it's kind of an interesting concept that is basing people's personalities off of their blood type, which is a has kind of an interesting history that happened in Japan. Huh. Came about in the early 30s, an author named Mashiko Nomi. A journalist with no, they make it very clear, no medical background. He was an engineer. He wrote about this theory of blood type relating to personality. I don't know any statistics about how many people actually put stock into this, but since the 70s, I mean, 70s and 80s, there are still people out there who believe that there is sort of a relationship between blood type and yeah but basically with blood types in the arcade days you didn't have a lot of real estate to type out all of the personality traits of whatever this person you know headstrong whatever empathetic blah 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 so they used blood type as a shorthand for that so it just kind of just kind of stuck so that's the reason it was to tell you what the personality of the game character was yeah so that is that's my interesting video game thing relating to blood that is interesting because how many ty- blood types are there four four I mean, so there are only four types of people <laughs> unless you go positive negative then there might be you know you might add a little more but it's yeah there's only four types of people out there in the world yeah yeah uh, at least with horoscopes we've got 12 right you know? right and that's what a lot of critics of this i mean to me it just seems ridiculous that your blood type would be related however this this study and this is just a general summary of of what transpired but it was yeah. a group okay so this author mashiko nomi compared a distribution of blood types along two ethnic groups. Okay. Formosans in Taiwan and the Ainu of Hokkaido, Japan's invasion of China 
Let's see. Japanese occupation of Taiwan followed Japan's invasion of China. Inhabitants tenaciously resisted their occupiers and insurgents in 1930 and 1931. Okay. This study was to figure out why there was resistance in one case and no Ah. resistance in the other case during these evasions. So the theory was that Uh the Taiwanese had type O blood, whereas the Anu, who are more submissive, had a lesser percentage of the type O blood. That was basically the thesis or whatever of this paper that kind of, you know, yeah, really, really kind of racist, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and interesting at the same time, but it's just kind of like yeah. sort of ridiculous for, for now. But it was, you know, you can see where they, they took the logical leap there. But yeah. how it got into mainstream culture in Japan right. is also equally as interesting because it's like there's no scientific backing. And yes, people still put a lot of stock into it, you know. Interesting. Uh, do you want me to tell you what kind of person you are based on your blood type? Well, obviously, I'm a fight backer. Is that a thing, a fight backer? Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I'm an O, and I'm positive, too. Tafugu. It's a site that was started as sort of a supplementary learning language kind of website. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Tafugu was started in 2007 by, <laughs> by a student who was lazy. And instead of okay. registering for another university class, convinced the professor to let him start a blog about Japanese language, Japanese culture. Yeah. He continued to work on this after he graduated, and he was working with an education startup, which after it was dissolved at the end of probably like a year or two, he decided to create this site basically a textbook and of conversational styles and culture and and how to learn you know the hiragata the katakana and kanji yeah and so it was just kind of a you know it it is an interesting site as far as if you are learning japanese the language but also little cultural tidbits right right right. so it's kind of a supplementary sort of device to learn Japanese, I think, is is how it was designed originally to be that kind of, you know, a little bit cultural and yeah. also showing you things to connect, making it easier to absorb how to write the symbols, which when I took, you know, yeah. when I took Japanese, there was none of this stuff that, that was like, okay, so this symbol means this, and it looks like a baby holding a penguin, or, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. It would develop mnemonics for you to remember all these different things, which is not something that they did in Japanese class in college. But this site kind of does that and then adds some cultural context to these things. Hmm. I will take it from their blood types and what they say about your personality article. Okay. So... Japanese blood type personality theory. Actually, you can look this up on Tofugu, T-O-F-U-G-U dot com if you want to see your own blood type. According to a 2016 survey of 3,355 Japanese people, 99% knew their blood type. Okay. How many people do you think know their blood type in the U.S.? 
What are you thinking? Not as many. I no. don't think there's as many. I, I don't think so either. Okay, so your blood type is O, correct? Correct. Often described as Rakonshugi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but you know what that means. No. It means optimistic. They're outgoing, oh. have leadership abilities. Oh, my and are, God. And are able to set the mood for groups of people. They don't care much about little things, so their behavior sometimes freaks out more sensitive A-types, though they're often late to events and sometimes rude. O-types <laughs> are incredibly okay. resilient and flexible, enabling them to roll with the punches. That part's true. I'm, I'm uh, resistant, uh, flexible, uh, all of that. The first part, though, was like, who are you talking about? Not me. Optimistic? No, actually, optimistic is, you would, may, might not call me optimistic, but I'm somebody who always has hope. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not like I have one thing I'm hoping for, but no matter what, I've always got more is coming. Yeah. Uh, something, you know, so something good yeah. more is coming. So I guess the, that matches. It's the, the part about social stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and this is really interesting because O seems to have a lot of words that they associate with the O type. For a perspective, in Japan, the ratio of blood types yeah. is 40% of the population have the A type. Okay. 30% have the O type, 20% have the B type, and 10% have the AB type. That's just okay. general ratio in Japan. Okay. I am a blood type A. Okay. I am described as Kichomen? Kichomen? Kichomen. I don't know. Well organized. Ah. Compl completely wrong. But anyway, <laughs> they like to keep things neat. Yeah. But can be stubborn and get stressed out easily. I don't think I'm stubborn, and I don't think I get stressed out easily anymore. No. They also value harmony with others. Yeah. Uh, agricultural people are the root of blood type A, and it's been said, working collaboratively on farms develop these blood type personality traits. Interesting. Your dad's grandfather, they were farmers back in the old country. Right. Uh, amongst other things, but they were farmers. Yeah. I, so, yeah this, hey. th this to me is something that's, I guess, akin to astrology, as you said. Yeah. But I think astrology as a concept makes more sense because I can see yes. how planetary bodies impact various things on the planet. So it makes sense that planets could possibly do that. Right. Right. But uh, here's the other thing, too. All these words that they have associated to your different personality types yeah. are all so vague that anyone could read this list and go, oh, that's me because I am <laughs> this, this, and this. So for the blood right. type O, which is they've got a list of words, which is the largest list of words, actually. Yeah, yeah. Optimistic, easygoing, leadership ability, insensitive I don't even know if this is a word, unpunctual. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Okay. Calm, confident, self-determined, strong-willed, intuitive, self-centered, cold, unpredictable, workaholic, Ooh. outgoing, energetic, social, flexible, realistic, financially minded, resilient, romanticist, 
cautious, devoted, peaceful, carefree, irresponsible, insecure, emotional, ambitious, trendsetter, oh. independent, loyal, athletic, robust, passionate, agreeable, arrogant, vain, jealous, ruthless, rude, <laughs> imitator. So yeah, that's me. Yeah, to it, a T, that's me. See, see, so that that's me. Anyone can look at that group of words and go, right? That's me. Even though some of the words seem to uh, be opposite, yeah, in some cases, but still, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, what they have for the A blood type a much smaller list, thank goodness, because I don't think I could say a list that long again and and maintain my breath. Yeah. <laughs> but what they have listed for the A blood type is timid, mild mannered, anxious, earnest, sensitive, stubborn, intense, reserved, patient, responsible, fastidious, tense. Tactful, shy, withdrawn, polite, perfectionist, stressed, conscientious, wary, kind, diligent, attentive, composed, reliable, nervous, neat. Hmm. So it just, yeah. It, yeah, it's just too generalized. You can't place any stock in it, but it's interesting yeah. culturally that some people still believe in that. Yeah, yeah. And as far as describing characters, it does make sense that it's a shorthand. I could see that. So tell me, you know, Hello Kitty and all the other Sanrio characters? Oh, yeah. Do they have blood types assigned to them? Uh, you know what? I I think they do. I'm not oh 100% sure. <laughs> you, know, you know, I was kidding. I was kidding. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense that they would. Right. Okay. Yeah. Kitty White, born in England on November 1st, 1974. She's a Scorpio. Uh -huh. Blood type A. Okay. Oh. So there you go. Oh, my Lord. Yep. Hello Kitty blood type. That is weird. What do you think is weird about it? I mean, having a shorthand to describe these characters. Well, no, uh, no, actually, it's well, just that it, it went over. It carried over from humans to cartoon characters. Yeah. And, and, but it's, it's true. It's like you say, it's a shorthand. Uh, for personality types. Yeah. So I, I guess I could see that. Here's another interesting thing. They have Sanrio Hello Kitty blood type straps. So that will say what your blood type is with Hello Kitties oh, all over it. Okie dokie. So apparently that's a thing too, is announcing your blood type. Interesting. Yeah. You know, even before the days of video games, characters. Right. Had, right had those things so yeah very interesting it was a joke but it's not a joke <laughs> yeah right it's i mean the whole thing is news to me yeah uh, i i could never have fathomed anybody thinking that yeah but uh well it's you know different different people i mean you know right 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 right. i don't put different any cultures. stock to it yeah i don't put any stock in it personally but i just think it's interesting and they this web uh, this website at tofugu gets into interesting blood type relationships uh -huh, you know just uh -huh. a general of that and how marriage success by blood type just interesting little tidbits about how yeah. the history of all this stuff and so yeah check out tofugu it's the article the article is japanese blood types and what they say about your personality written april 4th 2017. Okay. 3,407 okay. words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is all listed here. Good. That's I like can, I could do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is also an interesting thing too. It's like telling me how many words there are. 
But anyway, right. you know, I think we talked about keeping this uh, relatively vampire-free episode. Um, oh, yeah. Because there was a time when vampires, or at least vampire stuff, was kind yeah. of a popular sort of thing. Right, right. And, and I'm not 100% sure why. Do you have any theories as to why vampires were, like, you know, you had Twilight and you had your interview with a there vampire were, and you had a lot of other well the writers the writers made them very romantic yeah i think in some cases they did even previous um oh ann rice is that her name oh yeah yeah. That wrote, yeah she yeah. wrote a bunch of uh vampire things and it was all romantic uh story type thing yeah they the vampire wasn't some creepy old looking person who just crawled out of his coffin right you know, right. he, they were, yeah, people who lived forever and, you know, all that. Fell well, in until, love and. Yes, yeah, with humans. And turned people uh, into vampires and yes, blah, 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 yes. blah, And it is a trend that, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say that there are a lot of games that people enjoy that tell stories about the vampire genre. Yeah. There's Vampire the Masquerade, which uh, I think uh. is reimagining of the game, but it is has come out somewhat recently. This game that I'm going to talk about that I am playing is called Code Vein. And I first played this shortly before it came out, actually, in 2019. I didn't buy the game until much later because... It went on sale. It was like 60% off for like yeah. the deluxe edition that included all the DLC and stuff. Do you know what DLC means, right? No, of course not. Oh, Director's I, cut. No. Director. Uh, I don't know. Downloadable content, DLC. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. So it's like additional content. Yeah. We can talk about this a little later in more detail on our glossary show where we yes, talk about all yes, the different yes. concepts video game wise and what right. your thoughts are on them. This code vein game is very vampire themed, but it is in a post-apocalyptic future where they have this thing called the boar parasite, which is a biological organ regenerative parasite in your heart okay. that will give you unique abilities and will make you last, you know, live forever, and it regenerates your organs. Okay. It's just you know, but it's a parasite, and there's a thing going on in this universe where, in the environment, if your bloodlust gets to a point where you haven't consumed any blood of humans, which no longer exist, I, I think, or exist in a very uh -huh. low quantity, or blood beads, which are trees that, <laughs> oh. trees, trees that, <laughs> trees that, okay. go, that basically grow blood. Oh. Yeah. You play a character that can actually purify these things and trees and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very weird, very weird story about vampires. Yeah. Not a lot of romantic stuff in it so far. I'm only about I would say probably about a fifth of the way through the story. It's been described as souls-like. Now, you have no idea what souls-like means. No. But there is a game series and a company 
called From Software that makes these games. Their most recent game that they made is Elden Ring, and it is getting praised up and down. It's an open world RPG. Basically, you wander around this world uh, and, you know, discover through through doing things in the environment uh, and going on your missions and completing yeah. those, you get uh, you can get one of six different endings to your oh. quote unquote character story. But these games from from software and they're called souls like games for probably an unfair reason, which is they're incredibly hard. And they're incredibly hard only because they're, you know, you've got to figure out the patterns of these characters and, and they can actually, they play tricks on you as far as putting you in situations where you cannot win or at the very least, oh, okay. it's very difficult to figure out how to win. And I think when people say a Souls-like game, it's generally meant as a slight. Okay, okay. It's unfair. I think it's an unfair comparison. Right. Right, right. These games are basically action role-playing games that are very hard. And the criticism of these types of games is that generally people want a game that is inclusive, but this is unapologetically difficult Uh because they say that, yeah, games should be, you know, the, the, the company, the producers at From Software yeah, say that, they should be, you know, this is, this is designed to be this way and any right, kind of right. accessibility makes the, the gameplay, it cheapens the gameplay, which is a, a quote that uh, one of our previous guests, Eric, talked uh-huh. about. And Elden Ring is getting a lot of praise from a lot of people as far as right. very high marks. I just think it's a bad idea you can make a point that a game that's very difficult has a level of satisfaction that you get after accomplishing a level. Yeah. But I don't think that has to necessarily be the way you should present a game. I think it should invite people in who are interested in the world and may or may not want to play a difficult game. Part of doing this game is figuring things out, developing your set of how am I going to attack a certain situation, picking up what the different patterns are for the bosses and characters that you fight against. But I mean, that is something that I think can be built. I don't think it's something that you should just make a game for the sake of it being hard. Right. I agree. I would, I probably would try it and maybe try it again. Yeah. And uh, and then just go, well, this isn't any fun, yeah. you know, all right, maybe three times, but <laughs> I would probably give it a lot more time. Right. The only reason I bring this up is because Code Vein has been described as mm-hmm. sort of a souls like or being inspired by Dark Souls or okay. A, okay. an Elden Ring sort of game. But to me, it doesn't feel that way because it is, I don't know how to, how to assess this, but the story is weird. I like weird stories. I you know, right, I will right. go through grinding and mechanics and things for the sake of a weird story. I don't have any yeah. problems with developing my characters and going through it. So as far as it being a very difficult game, 
it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think it's a bad idea to create a game that kind of the whole appeal to it is that it's very difficult. And I don't think the fact that if you make it more accessible to a larger audience, that that is a bad thing. However, right. I agree. Yeah. However, Eric's point, and he has a valid point, is uh-huh. I think it was Return of the King, or one of the one of the um, Tolkien uh, movies that you know won uh-huh. Academy Awards. They didn't change their story, and they stayed with their original vision. And it, as it turned out, it was the right choice because they won all these awards and so on and so forth. Right, right, right. I just think it's a false equivalency because a an expressive uh-huh. work like that that is just expressive versus something that's a game. You can play this game multiple ways over and over again. It's not the same thing. An artistic right, representation right. versus a game, which can be an artistic representation, giving people an There's op- a little overlap, yeah. But I think that you want to give people the option to play through this. And if they want to... Right. I don't know. I don't think it cheapens anything by making it more accessible to a lower level. I just don't think that. But well, I don't either. I, yeah. you know, if you don't want to play the lower level, don't. Exactly. You know, if you want it, you can kind of gatekeep in such a way to, if you play this higher level, you can get different stories than you played through it at the lower level. That will right, right. make it the the you know like say very plainly if you want the true ending play through the story on the hardest level this is the way the the game was designed to play if you play yeah. the, the lower levels you're not going to get the exact experience but it will help you as you right but yeah i don't i don't know it's yeah. it's a difference of opinion people are really enjoying the game maybe i'll check it out when it comes down in price elden ring but I just don't think that a game that is un- unapologetically overly difficult for the sake of being overly difficult deserves a game of the year. Ooh, yeah. Well, you know, you need to have Eric back on so you guys can have a good discussion about that so I can understand his his side too. Exactly. This is right now you're getting only my side of things. Uh, he does yeah. have a lot of valid opinions. And maybe when, when it right, gets closer right. to the game of the year, that's when he'll come on and we'll discuss our, our different games of the year personally um, right, and what right. we think of the listed games, what deserves game of the year and why. And, right, 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 um, right. One of the things he brought up also was, well, how about sports games? I was like, well, how many sports games have won Game of the Year? Zero. So, I mean, Uh that's, uh (laughs) you know, that doesn't really, people don't like sports games, so they don't play them. That's fine. It's just if you are making a game, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting angry talking about this, so let's let's just, I know. Let's just end the show. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) With my. On a positive note, yes. Here's the thing. I haven't played it yet. I have not played it yet, so I cannot say for certain. And until I play Elden Ring, I think my concerns are invalid. Now, yes, perhaps. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I have played other From Software games before. Eric uh-huh. has called this game the easiest and yet the most difficult From Software game he's played. 
which tells me absolutely nothing. So I am coming into this thinking it's going to be like when I played Dark Souls before and didn't enjoy that game because of its difficulty. Um, uh-huh. It's going to be just the same thing. But, you know, I never know. I'm not, I can't make an accurate assessment until I play the game. Right, right, right. It's just that I, based on people's thoughts about this game, it's kind of polarizing. But my general tendency is it a game designed to be excessively hard just for the sake of being excessively hard does not, should not get an award right. because it excludes people or it has right, a tendency right. to exclude people. What that has to do with blood, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it was related to the game Code Vein, which I'm en- enjoying so far. Right. Um, you, you and Eric are uh, about to draw blood on the situation. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. It's bloody difficult decision. Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think it will come to blows. He's not that. I mean, he's, no. got, he's very opinionated, but I don't think it'll stick me in my, in my own studio. Well, you know. You never know. If you deserve it. I don't I don't think I mean the cats will have my back, I'm sure. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, maybe they won't. So. Do you have anything uh else to wrap up the blood show? The yeah, blood it show. Was, it, it was yeah, right, right. It was a bloody good show. It was indeed. English stuff. That is a, another usage of the word blood, which I do yeah. not do not quite understand. Right. Me too. But but another culture yeah exactly exactly so So on that note let's close out the show by saying thank you very much for joining us my name is ben and i'm nora and we've been your hosts have a wonderful night bye